Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. Jesus. Jesus, we love you this morning. You're so worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy, Jesus. We thank you for how you're moving in this hour, God. We thank you that you're opening up doors that no man could open. We thank you, Father, that you're providing in innumerable and unimaginable ways, God. You are the God of breakthrough. Like you, there is no other. And we thank you, God, this morning for your goodness that overtakes us. We thank you, Father, for your goodness that chases us down. We thank you for your word that is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you, Father, that your spirit is moving in the earth and it's moving in this house. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are unlocking doors of destiny this morning and that you are setting captives free and that where the anointing is, where Spirit of God is, there's liberty and there's freedom. And we thank you, Father, this morning that you would break yokes of bondage, that you would break off the orphan spirit this morning, that where there have been people and there have been many who have not had a Father's blessing and where there have been places, God, of, of abandonment and orphanhood, God, that you would release your spirit this morning that would cause a new breath to come upon them would cause a new breath of life, God, to rest upon Your people. I thank You, Father, for Your anointing this morning. I step into Your presence this morning with full expectation, God, that You're going to move in glory and power and that Your Word will go forth to accomplish that which You send it to do, God. I thank You for the anointing that makes preaching easy. And I thank You, Father, that yokes are destroyed by the anointing. And I thank You, Father, this morning that the anointing is going to break yokes by the Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 48. That's where we're going to be this morning. Genesis chapter 48. I'm going to be talking about the Father's blessing this morning. So if you will, turn to Genesis chapter 48. We're going to start in verse 1. and We're going to read. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. But your offspring that have been born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance." Now as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died to my sorrow in the land of Canaan on the journey, when there was still some distance to go to Eprath, and I buried her there on the Eprath, that is, Bethlehem. 
When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close, and he kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and may my name live on in them in the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him, and he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He will also become a people, and he will also be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. He blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. I give you one portion more than your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. We're going to talk about the father's blessing this morning. Joseph's father is close to dying and accordingly brings his two sons, as we've just read, from Manasseh to him for a blessing. But there's a certain tragedy to this moment. Under Jewish law and custom, the firstborn of any family receives special blessing and inheritance. This is called the birthright. He would receive a double portion of inheritance from the father. He succeeded his father in terms of having judicial authority in the family. So there was a, a rite of passage, if you will. There was a, a birthright that was given. It was a place of authority. It was a seat of authority that was passed down to this firstborn. He fulfilled the priesthood role over the family. However, for Jacob, Reuben was the firstborn in the family. And accordingly, he should have received the firstborn blessing. But that's not what takes place here. You see, except Reuben had committed a, a very grievous offense against the family. You can read it in Genesis 35. Reuben has an affair with his father's concubine, and as a consequence, he's removed from being the firstborn uh, birthright. And it's transferred to Joseph's two sons. And so Joseph is now bringing his two sons to Jacob. And they had been adopted by Jacob. Jacob says to him there, as we read, these two sons that you had here are now mine. I'm adopting them. I'm making them my own. And I'm going to release this birthright blessing over them. And so here they are to receive this birthright initially through Jacob's blessing. And it was a solemn moment. I mean, this is, I, I really think in some ways our culture has lost the art of blessing. We've lost the art of, of releasing blessing over people. And we see that in, in our culture, you know, 
uh, fatherhood has been so abandoned, the idea of what it means to, to release a father's blessing and, and what it means to raise sons and daughters and the admonition of the Lord. And this is a huge moment in these boys' life. They, they would not have been in line for this blessing from Jacob. And yet God takes them and puts them in line, puts them before Jacob on his deathbed to release this blessing. And so you, if, you, if you go back and you think back about Jacob's life, he also had received the birthright when he wasn't in line for it. Now, he had some deception. And actually, what's really cool is the kids are learning about this back there. They're learning the art of sowing and reaping. That's the lesson that Pastor Anna wrote this week all about Jacob and how he kind of connived his way into receiving the blessing. And the family conflict that developed continued for years. But God brought reconciliation. We're going to look at some principles this morning around this. But this moment for Joseph was one of those defining moments in family life where blessings and future direction would be established. And definitely was in the Spirit. It had a major impact spiritually upon the recipients, hence the seriousness of what was about to happen. Now it would accordingly be expected that the eldest of Joseph's sons would receive the greater blessing and promise. That's what's to be expected. So not only... Have the sons been brought in to receive this blessing when they shouldn't have? Well, Jacob does a little switcheroo. Same thing that happened to him. A little switcheroo takes place and he rehearses history. And so he turns to Ephraim and Manasseh and the time for blessing comes and Joseph naturally places Manasseh, the eldest, in front of Jacob's right hand. And Jacob, nearly blind and against all protocol and tradition, removes his right hand from off of Manasseh's head and places it on Ephraim's. And Jacob refuses Joseph and brings the greater blessing to the younger. And I want to talk about these principles. The first principle I want to talk about is the role of the parents to bless. The understanding that nothing can replace the blessing a father brings to his children is of utmost importance. And in that blessing, we establish prophetic direction in a child's life. When the father releases a blessing, it is literally a prophetic word over that child's life, setting them up for the direction that God has created for that child. And when we think about that, the testimonies of people concerning their parents, and in particular a father, I know we could go around the room this morning and share the, the deep pains that we've walked through because of father wounds, because of things that have happened, fathers not being there, fathers not accepting us, not releasing approval. I mean, our, our society is riddled with the pain of not having a father's blessing. Dad's approval seems to be of more value than anyone else's. It's this same yearning for approval and acceptance that King David's son Absalom yearned for. I talked about this a while back. I did a whole message on, on rejection and how Absalom desired that blessing from David, that approval. And eventually, because David refused to reconcile with Absalom, Absalom then stages a coup, goes after the throne, and the family was so dysfunctional and all David had to do was affirm his own son. All he had to do was bring that affirmation, bring that blessing to Absalom, but refusing to do that actually cost David everything. Now I say all this to say that we are to establish prophetic direction in the child's life. Now you 
may not have natural children today. You may be in a place where you're like, how, how does this function for me as, as a man? Or how, how do I establish that? Wherever you are in life, you have an opportunity to release the Father's blessing over people. You have an opportunity to release the blessing of the Father over people. See, it, it takes a prophetic eye to release the Father's blessing. Because I have to be able to see into the future for each of my children. How can I, how can as I, how can I as a parent parent and direct them without that? If I can't see the destiny and the purpose that God has for them as an individual, how can I parent them? You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Every individual is so unique and so uniquely created by God with their own God plan around their life. And unless I go to God to get that, unless I seek God about the prophetic direction for each child, how can I counsel them about life's decisions without that? How can I help them to make one of the most important decisions in their lives? Who they will marry with that? Because, see, even when it comes to marriage, someday I'll sit before my kids as they're looking for a spouse and I'll say, does this spouse line up with the direction God has given you over your life? Does this spouse uh, espouse the same values? I was having a conversation with, with someone this week and I was saying, you know, great person, but do they love the Lord? Do they have that relationship with God? Is that a value to them? Do they value the same things? How can I hold faith for their future without that prophetic insight? For those of you who will have kids one day, you have to get into the, the presence of God and get the prophetic word for their life so that you can release that blessing over them. I think in our culture, we've become so just laissez-faire about life. I'll just let them do whatever they're going to do. No, God has a God plan for your children. God has a God plan for you. Some of you are sitting in this room today having never received the Father's blessing, having no clue what God's God plan is for you. And I want to say to you this morning that God wants to release His God plan over you this morning. How can I speak with an authoritative impact into their spirits without that? Part of the key to this is calling forth of the destiny that God has for their lives. And you can do this over yourselves. You can begin to call forth the God destiny over your life. Begin to call forth the Father's blessing over your life. Begin to say, God, you have a destiny that you've created me for. You have a plan for my life, and I want to access that by faith. Now, I am not the perfect parent by any means. And the journey of raising children is fraught with difficulties, and that should be expected. But I feel like something that I've discovered is that in the realm of the Spirit seemed to really get me on track when I begin to get discouraged and really seems to get me back on track when I feel like even my own life is, is not falling or following the plan God has, is, is the, and it's this key, calling forth of their gifting and calling in God. So I often pray for my kids things like this. Lord, I thank you for the creative giftings in Eden Grace. 
I call those giftings forth in Jesus' name. I stand against anything that would rob Eden Grace from the destiny you have for her. I establish again the destiny you have for Eden Grace. Lord, bring your anointing to once again quicken that gifting within Eden Grace. I am constantly standing on the wall of their lives, fighting against the hordes of hell, believing that each one of my children will fulfill the gift of God and the destiny of God around their lives. And and I'm doing that for the church as well. Oftentimes, when I'm here praying at night, I'm praying for each one of you, saying, God, Lubin has a gift and a call. I stand against every attack that would come to derail him from that call. I thank you for Hector and Susanna, and I thank you for their gifts and callings, and we call them forth. And I'm telling you, you can do that for yourself. You begin to stand on the wall of your own life. And you begin to say, God, I call forth the destiny and anointing that is on my life. I call forth the gifts and the call that you gave me. I stand against anything that would rob me from the destiny that you have for me. See, sometimes we get so orphan minded, we don't even know how to fight for ourselves. And I'm saying to you this morning, you may have not had a father that fought for you, but you have a father that fought for you. He sent his son to the cross for you so that you destiny could come to pass and God wants you to wake up to that reality this morning see when we deviate from the calling and the gifting all given to us by God the consequences can be tragic you see in every person is this God factor I love what Solomon wrote he said God wrote eternity into the hearts of men that word eternity, if I were to take the time to unpack it this morning, but it basically means God factor. God put Himself into the hearts of men that they might be awakened to the reality of who He is. See, every person has that, Christian or non-Christian. Everyone has that God factor. And without Christ, it's simply corrupted and goes the pathway of self-will. But with Christ, it is empowered and shaped by Christ to fulfill His His will in and through our lives. So what I'm saying this morning is that I believe that when we begin to take that stand and release the blessing over our children and even over ourselves, it reorientates us back to what God has called us to. To do this, we're needed prophetic insight. And really, that is what Jacob was doing for Joseph's sons. He was orientating Ephraim and Manasseh toward the destiny and calling that God had for them. The impact would have carried them for the remainder of their lives. And of course, there are times when I'm going to have to, and you're going to have to, remind yourself of the giftings and the callings and the anointings and the purpose You know, David, it says when he came to Gilgal and things had been destroyed and and there was nothing left, it says he turned aside and he strengthened himself in the Lord. I've often said, I don't know what that looked like for David, but in my own mind, when I turn aside to strengthen myself in the Lord, I go back to the prophetic words. I go back to the destiny words that God's given me. God, this is what the situation looks like, but I know you said. I know your word says, I know you gave me a promise and you begin to reorientate yourself. And so what uh, Jacob was doing in this moment in blessing them, he was blessing them according to the purposes of God. 
And there are times where influences will come that would seek to defile and corrupt that God purpose. And that's when it's all the more powerful to bring that confrontation. I've had to sit with people and say, you are threatening the purpose of God for your life. God has these purposes and these calls and these anointings around your life. See, love rebukes and disciplines. That prophetic insight a parent can have toward their children becomes one of the most powerful weapons against demonic forces that would seek to intercept their lives. 1 Timothy, forgot to give you this one, Amber. 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19 says this, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. What an incredible passage. 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. He writes to him and he says, these prophecies that were made concerning you, I don't know who you are, stop calling me. These prophecies made, he says, these prophecies that were made about you. So Hector, the prophecies about being an influencer at A&M, the prophecies, you're going to take those prophecies and you're going to war with them. Because others who have not warred with those prophetic words have suffered shipwreck. So Owen, those words about Southern Dairy, you're going to take those words and you're going to fight with them. Because when the enemy seeks to make it look the opposite of what every prophetic word I know Greg and Shelley, they've had prophetic words and they often go back to them and they war with them. Mike and Karen, when those words that don't seem to be coming to pass, you take them and you fight with them. And you say, no, devil, these words that were given to us are my weapons. And I'm going to write with them. I'm, I'm going to fight with them. I'm not going to suffer shipwreck by letting the prophetic words die. I think too often we allow prophetic words over our lives to die because we don't actually believe the God plan around our lives. And we've got to take those prophetic words. Just as Paul wrote to Timothy and said, war with them, keeping faith and a good conscience. But see, we can do this on behalf of others, on behalf of our children. We have that priestly function by prophetic revelation. We fight for our children. And those are children that haven't even been born yet. You can do that for the children that you've been promised. You begin to fight for them. God, you said that I would have such and such children. You gave me a promise of this. I fight for them where the enemy is holding them back. I say, enemy, loose them because I have a prophetic word. I have a father's blessing. I'm preaching better than y'all are responding this morning. But that's okay. I'm too tired to mention it. The prophetic word has supernatural empowerment in it to impact those <clears throat> for whom that word is directed toward. And so see your children become the men and women of God they were always destined to become. Number two, the blessing connected the sons to the destiny. One of the things that I've always held firm on is that success in the future is not dependent upon a good education, but upon the destiny and gifting that God has for a person. Education can undergird that. Education can be a huge part of that. But with all the knowledge in the world, you still cannot fulfill your destiny. 
It takes the gifting and the calling and the anointing and the prophetic destiny around your life. I'm not against a good education. I love education. I'm a teacher. I want to get my PhD. I love education. But none of that amounts to what they say, a hill of beans. If you don't have the gifting and the call and the destiny of God around your life. I know extremely educated people who aren't doing anything with their life because they're not fulfilling the call of God. I, I know for a fact a doctor friend of mine who was called to be a missionary but surrendered the call to be a missionary because his parents said, you have to be a doctor. This is what you have to do. And in not wanting to, to dishonor his parents, unfortunately dishonoring God, and he'll, he'll openly admit this. Now he's starting to do some mission work, but he's in his 70s now. But he fulfilled this call or he fulfilled the call of his parents to be a doctor because they hadn't got the call of God. They hadn't got the prophetic word. They hadn't heard God. They just said, no, you need to make money. And you're going to do that by being a doctor. And he's lived 50 years of his life not filling fulfilled because he didn't fulfill the call of God because his parents didn't get the prophetic insight to see what God had called him to. They just looked at dollar signs. John 4.34 says this, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. You know, even in our, our society now, good education does not necessarily mean a good future. There are so many people with bachelor's and even master's degrees working at Starbucks because they can't get jobs. I mean, it's just... It's this verse, this keynote verse in the Bible. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Jesus establishes the under will, underpinning principle from which He builds His life around to fulfill the will of God through His life. To put into modern vernacular, the one thing that sustains me is to do God's will. To do the work God has called me to do. I have made it my life's mission to find out what the will of God is for my life. Once you find that, you begin to fulfill it, and accordingly, you'll have God's blessing on your life. And to be frank with you, I would rather have the, bless the blessing of God backing me than anything else. That's got to be a sure surefire way of success. When we have God's blessing backing us because we're doing the will of Him who sent us. So now, how do we establish the will of God for our lives? It's a huge question, but one thing that we discover in the Bible is that God gifts us inside us with supernatural abilities to empower us to accomplish His will and work. When you understand the call of God around your life, you'll get access to what He's already put in you to fulfill the call of God around your life. The implication for families is enormous. So parents, find from God what the giftings are in each of the children. Direct them in their life's decisions, making according to those giftings. You have a guaranteed pathway to see your children succeed in life. How many people do you know that are frustrated in life's course and wish they'd taken a different line of work? So many. So many. Why? Because they failed to see, train, and work according to God's giftings. And they hate what they do. But when you do that, You'll love your work. 
And as a parent, <clears throat> excuse me, as the priest in the home, you can get from God through prayer. My goodness. <clears throat> there we go. And receiving conviction from God what those giftings are and bring your children in line with those giftings. Here's the last point, number three. God can and will intervene in our lives to bring blessing. I say this because of that amazing moment where Jacob refused protocol and tradition. In defying cultural norms, he blessed the younger with greater blessing than the older. He crossed his arms, and I love this. Hector and Susanna, come here real quick. I want to illustrate this. We've got Ephraim and Manasseh. No, just come stand in front of me. To, next to each other, come here. And you had Manasseh the older on the right and Ephraim on the left. And yet Jacob does something so significant. He crosses his arms. And it was a type and shadow of the cross being formed for blessing. It was a moment in prophetic history where God was giving a, a foreshadowing that at the cross, blessing belongs to those who didn't deserve it. That He gave us access to the Father's blessing even when we weren't in line for it. It was a moment in history where God was giving us insight into what He was going to do for us. And He releases blessing over the younger. Isn't that incredible? Thank you, guys. He crossed his arms, thus signifying a prophetic act that the cross of Christ cancels out the curse of our backgrounds, the failures of our past, and brings us each to a new day. The moment we give our lives over to Christ, it's a new day, it's a new opportunity, and a new empowerment commences. And whatever our background has up to that point said to us is no longer applicable. The cross cancels it out. The cross establishes a new order over our lives. And the cross says, you are now a new creation. We can look at our lives, y'all, and we can look at all the moments where we feel like we didn't receive the Father's blessing, where we didn't have the hands laid on us, where we didn't have some prophetic word. But I want to say to you this morning, your past does not determine your future. The cross determines your future. doesn't matter where you are in the pecking order doesn't matter where you are in life. As I begin to close this morning, I want you to know that the cross determines your future. The younger shouldn't have received the greater blessing, but the younger did. Maybe you feel that because of your lot in life that you're not in line for the best that God could have for a person. But the cross says no. You're in line for God's best. Colossians 2.14 says he cancels out the certificate of debt against us. What you thought could not be possibly for you. God says the debts are gone. The failures are forgiven. The future is reestablished with a greater blessing. Genesis 48.20, Jacob blessed them that day. This morning, I want to say to you, God's going to bless you. You're here this morning and you feel like you don't have that Father's blessing around your life. I want to pray for you. I'm a father in the natural. I'm a father in the spirit. God's given me the, the call of 
you know, the priesthood over this house, over my own house. And if you're here this morning, you're just saying, I, I don't feel like I have that around my life. I've never had a father to bless me. I want to stand in proxy this morning. I want to stand here this morning and release that blessing over you. This week, as, as I was in California, it was a huge week of healing for me. As I had to face up to some stuff from my childhood and work through some heavy conversations. Those are never easy. But as I stood at my father's grave and I put some flowers on his grave, a couple months ago I would have wanted to take those flowers and grind them into his headstone. I was so angry. I was so hurt. But God had done a work in me. My mom had said something to me. Just something that had happened earlier in their, in their lives. And it actually brought such tremendous healing to my heart because the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He said, your dad wasn't always a bad guy. He was just broken. Some of us have, have had so much brokenness around our lives. I want to say to you, they weren't always a bad guy. They're just broken. You may have not received their blessing this morning, but God, the eternal Father, the Heavenly Father, the Father of lights from whom all blessing comes from. He can reestablish you this morning. He can release that blessing over you. If you've never made Jesus your Lord this morning, if you've never accepted that new life, we're dead to our sin. It's only by Him that we're made alive. If that's you this morning, either in this room or watching by live stream. We're going to pray together. Let's pray. Jesus, I repent of my sin and I yield my life to you. In my own life, I'm dead. But in your life, I'm made new. I make that exchange today. Death for life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingcenter.us.